Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast and this week's episode of property news from around the UK and within the progressive property community. So let's start with news from around the UK. And in Landlord Today, there's an article about a big surge in the choice of mortgages for holiday-let landlords. So there's been a surge in the number of mortgage products aimed at landlords in the holiday-let market. There's been a 45% increase in mortgage choices in this sector in the past six months alone, and product availability is now double that of August 2020, according to independent mortgage market monitor MoneyFax. The organisation's finance expert Rachel Springall says there is now more lenders offering options than six months ago, but it appears that building societies are more inclined to provide deals to meet growing demand, whether for someone who uses their own home or takes out a new loan to fund a holiday-let investment. According to a recent survey by HodgeBank, Out of those purchasing a holiday home, 65% take out a new holiday-let specific mortgage and 35% remortgage their existing homes to finance their holiday home. So 65% of people taking out new mortgages. Now, many of these people are investors getting into the, the staycation market and the staycation boom that's happening in the industry right now. And serviced accommodation, staycations... It has had a massive bounce back since the lockdown started to open up, especially with people not being as easily available to holiday abroad and big, big opportunities. And a lot of people within the progressive community using the um, serviced accommodation model to grow their property business. At the moment, the holiday let tax status is more favourable to investors than buy to let because HMRC classes a furnished holiday let as a business with consequentially lower taxes, plus lots of benefits around things like Section 24. Now, if you're not sure what Section 24 is, I'll run a different podcast about how Section 24 works and how you can benefit from Section 24, how you can avoid the issue around Section 24. But one of the big benefits is that serviced accommodation is not affected by Section 24. So if you listen to this and you know what Section 24 is, Serviced accommodation could be a route for you. If you're listening and you're unsure about Section 24, that's a podcast for another day. But to qualify for furnished holiday let status, owners must meet certain criteria. Chiefly that the home is available to let for 201 days a year and is actually let for at least 105 days a year. So it needs to be available to let for 201. It doesn't actually need to be let for 201, but it does need to be let for at least 105 days, with no single letting exceeding 31 days. So even though you need to have it let for 105 days, that cannot be to one person. Otherwise, that would be classed as a tenancy rather than a guest. So it's got to be no single occupant for more than 31 days. And of course, it's a furnished holiday let, so the property must be furnished. So are you interested in serviced accommodation? Is it something you're already in? Is it something you're thinking about getting into? Really love to know. 
If so, head over to the Progressive Property Facebook community, join the community and let us know. Tag me in on a post and let me know what your thoughts are around serviced accommodation. Is it something you're interested in? And also let me know what you think of the podcast. There's over 36,000 people now, active property investors in the Progressive community. Go over there, massive, massive value, massive support to help you on your property journey. In other news, Introducer Today website did an article about UK home buyers still in full force, but that London is still off the pace. So across the UK, properties are still selling at a high level, at a decent price. The market's on the way up, but London is not growing as quickly as the rest of the country. So the market hasn't paused for breath since the Christmas break, with home buyer demand rising 6% since the final quarter of 2020, says recent figures from Get Agent. Its latest home buyer demand hotspots index looked at home buyer demand levels in each of the UK's major cities. The biggest increases and the biggest uplift in buyer interest has been in Bournemouth, so Bournemouth on the south coast, as many people want to flock to the seaside where demand has climbed by 20% in the first quarter of 2021. Oxford has also seen one of the largest increases at 11%, as has Newcastle, 8%. So some people are heading for the cold. I'm only kidding, Newcastle people, it's probably lovely up there. Swansea, Cambridge, Plymouth and Leeds have also had a 7% increase. The highest current demand, so in terms of the highest levels of home buyer activity, Bristol ranks top with 76% of all homes listed already under offer are sold subject to contract. Glasgow 74%, Sheffield 73% and Leeds and Plymouth 71% each. So in those areas, if you're looking to get a property, you need to move fast. There's not much stock left on the market. This is why I love direct to vendor, by the way. If you can go direct to vendor, you're not competing with other people in the market. There's just you and the homeowner. But London, interestingly, is the slowest in the race. With the ongoing uncertainty caused by COVID, with all the people who've left London to live at home, and London homebuyers remain more cautious. Overall, buyer demand in the capital sits at just 46%, having crept up just 3% in quarter 4 2020. So London's not moving as quick as everywhere else. Is this an opportunity though? So is now the time to be investing in London while there's a slowing of the market? COVID, as it comes towards the end, as we start to come out of lockdown, over half the country have been vaccinated twice now. Is this an opportunity to pick up a bargain in London and wait for the bounce back in the London property market? Again, I'd love your thoughts on that. And let me know. I know it's difficult to do that within the podcast. You could do so within the progressive property community. And in other news, MP has backed law change to allow tenants to pay pet damage insurance. So Conservative MP Andrew Rosendell, who is moving a bill through Parliament urging landlords to accept pets, says he backs a law to ch- in changes to allow tenants to be billed for pet damage insurance. Now, that's not so bad if the tenants would actually pay for the pet damage insurance. But I guess it depends on the pet as well. I mean, I've got a lot of property. Many of my tenants have actually got pets, but there is certain types of pets that I wouldn't necessarily call a pet. They're more like um, a person who's or a, a thing, a person, an animal who's going to damage that property on you. So what's your thoughts on pets? I'd love to know. Currently, the Tenant Fees Act introduced by Theresa May, Conservative government, 
It forbids all but a small number of specific lettings related fees being passed on to tenants. So the tenant fee ban. The list of acceptable fees do not include insurance for pet damage, which would therefore have to be paid by landlords if they accepted pets in their properties. And this is one of the main reasons why landlords often say no pets allowed, because the pet damage is the property and it's the landlord that often ends up paying. So I think it's a great idea to change to having the tenants be able to pay for pet damage insurance on behalf of the landlord and it's something that they could pay when moving into that property or as part of their rent. So phenomenal, phenomenal idea in my opinion. Would love to know what your thoughts are. Is it good? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? What do you think of having pets in your properties? Do you have a pet in your property right now? Are you a tenant? Do you have pets? I'd love to hear both sides of the argument as well or of the discussion. What do you think about pets? What do you think of the idea of pet damage insurance? So how can you tell us about that? Again, the progressive property community is a great place for discussions. And speaking of the progressive property community, let's have a look at some of the news from within the community this week. So John McCurris has posted saying that the tenant wants to paint his bedroom red with black ceilings. So what are people's thoughts on that? Should he let the tenant paint the bedroom red with black ceilings? I would probably say no, because it's going to be very difficult to paint over and not really sure it's a great choice of colour. I like to keep things light, light colours. And Christopher Paul Cook said, geez, only if he locks the door from the inside. Tell them to go get... Jenny Lowe says, tell them to go root themselves. Jenny, I'm not sure what go root themselves means. I'd love to get you on the podcast to explain. <laughs> I'm only kidding. So we've got Emma Dunham saying no way. Lots of people saying no way. Michael Brooks saying no way. It only appeals to him and will take forever and God knows how many coats to get back to normal colour. I'd agree with you, Michael. Um, I would say it's definitely not something you want to do. And then we've had about a 50 other people saying no as well. In fact, I don't see anybody who says that's a good idea within the community. So um, not, not a great idea. Don't let them paint it red, John. Definitely don't let them paint the ceilings black. And a really interesting discussion was started in the community by Margaret Atto, where she's asked the question, women in property, out of curiosity, what safety measures have you put in place for yourself when working alone? For example, if going on a viewing arranged directly with a vendor. So I hadn't put too much thought into this, but after a lengthy conversation with my mum, I've realised it is something I need to pay more attention to. So we've had lots of, of comments on this. Um, really great question by Margaret. Lots and lots, lots and lots of people have got involved in the discussion. Gavin Chow is saying, wait outside or always keep doors open and be nearest the door. Kevin Chapman says, as a male, it saddens and sickens me that women need to be frightened to go about their daily lives. There are some awful men out there. Never ever do anyone viewing alone and that will mitigate a large chunk of risk. That goes for all the women that read this too. Keep yourselves safe. Um, Jonathan Andrew Heath has said a very good post. We will we give all members of staff a panic alarm, access to an app if they want to use it, which allows their location, so they turn it off after the viewing, so they can tell what location they're in. As well as this, never lead the client up the stairs. They go first at all times and stay close to the door exits. Finally, ring into the office before and after the viewing. The case of, of Susie Lamplew 
is as relevant today as it ever was. Actually, you've, I've just remembered the case of Susie Lamplew now. Um, so, Jonathan, really, really great points. Lorraine uh, Lily Ray Smith has said, Margaret, it's an interesting question. We are looking for, for a network of female trades and then the issue of keeping contractors safe is very real. Anita Smith, you are right to be concerned. Um, she mentions again Susie Lampu um, went missing whilst on a viewing and has never been found. Her family set up the trust others have referred to above. Anna Gega has said, wow, never crossed my mind to worry about it. But yes, you are right. You never know. Um, loads and loads of people saying about how you need to be staying safe. And, you know, it's true, though, for both women and men, because, I mean, when I go to a viewing, if you go alone, I always make sure that I tell my wife the address that I'm going to visit, what time I'm going to be there, be there at, what time she should expect me to leave at, ring directly after I leave. And if I'm a little bit delayed in there, she'll always send me a text while I'm there and I'll say, yeah, still here. So whether you be a man or a woman, obviously clearly women are at much more risk and need to be much more careful. But um, I'm not a big guy. I'm a little guy. I'm literally five foot seven. I'm, I weigh 11 stone. I'm not the biggest guy out there. Um, I'm a bit of a woman. Not really. Don't quote me on that in the podcast. But um, yeah, I, it's something that you need to be aware of and be careful of. I would always say two people to a viewing. And it, it, it's really smart. And I always teach this as well about going to a viewing. If you're a man, always bring a woman, not just for the safety aspect, but also for the um, the, co- the comfort that you give the owner, because the owner will can often feel intimidated as well if, you know, this big guy walks into their property at seven o'clock on a November's evening. So bringing a, a, a girl with you, bringing a lady with you to that viewing can really help co- comfort the owner as much as anything else. Um, doing viewings with estate agents can obviously de-risk it for you, but agents themselves need to make sure that they're being safe. But a lot of direct-to-vendor viewing, some of the best property deals are done direct-to-vendor without agents being present. And this is where the risk is. Now, it, it has happened, obviously, with Susie, where she, she, she went missing from a viewing. But the, the likelihood of it happening is slim. But where there's a risk, you must mitigate that risk. So always, always, always either bring somebody with you or make sure somebody knows where you're going. And even if you're bringing somebody with you, you should always make sure somebody else knows where you are because you never know what could happen to two people on a viewing. It's still a possibility. If there's a risk, there needs to be a mitigation. So you always make sure that somebody external to the viewing, not at the viewing, knows where you are, knows the address you're in, knows the time you're starting the viewing at and the expected time that you should be leaving that property at and that they're they're to contact you and make sure you're okay at that time. So all be careful out there, protect yourself out there and make sure that you are not taking any risks. In property, we want to help people move on from their property problems. We want to help people um, rent great houses. We want to make some money at the same time by helping people, but we need to make sure that we stay safe. And finally, within the community, we've got a, um, a post from our very own commercial conversion excellence um, master, Mr. Dan Eaton. So Dan Eaton, he is a, um, a legend of the progressive property community when it comes to commercial conversions. He's building up a significant convers- commercial conversion portfolio and showing other people how they can too. And he's asked the 5 a.m. morning routine 
to become rich is it true or pure myth so neil freeman says never got up at 5 a.m got home a few times about then so neil i think many of us have got home 5 a.m or later not sure we get up that early Uh, oliver bird is saying likewise otherwise only see it as to catch a flight david ferguson says depends entirely on what you are doing mandeep sidhu says if you're working on your side business example property alongside your day job then you have to find more time obviously waking up and spending the time working on your a purpose consistently is going to move the needle waking up at 5 a.m to do yoga in your pants isn't going to make you rich <laughs> mandeep couldn't have said it better myself john asayana says myth as long as you put in the work doesn't matter what time it is Oliver Bird, I don't know about myth, but pure madness. We don't have too many 5am fans at the moment um, within the community by the looks of things. Gary Ross says, I'm the richest man in the world. I have an amazing family who I love and live for. Um, Sorry, money doesn't come into it. Tesh Singh says, I think the discipline required is what can give results. As 5am is hard for most people, etc. But so many other factors and other ways to build discipline. Absolutely. So... I've tried the 5am club thing and I've seen so many people and they go, if you're not up at 5am, you're a loser. If you're not up at 5am, you're not getting ahead. The reality is, I mean, there's a 6am, there's a 7am, there's even an 8am. And many people who get up at 5am, what happens is they're knackered by 11am and they sleep the rest of the day. So for me, I, I believe that people have their their time of day where they are at their their best and their most um, active, their most most work, they get their most work done. Now, for some people, what it's about is about each and every person will have a different time of day that they're most active at. I'm, I'm, if I get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, no good for me. I do get up six, between six and seven every morning. So it's not that much later, but it's the time for me where I've had enough sleep. I like seven hours sleep a night. Um, I'll typically go to bed sort of 11 o'clock, 11.30, and then I'll get up 6, 6.30. And it's not about what time you get up. It's about what you do while you are awake, how active you are, what stuff you're working on, and making sure you work out the right times to do certain jobs. So if you're going to get up and in your most active hours, you're doing admin tasks and bookkeeping tasks, then you're going to waste that critical time period you want to be doing your mo- your most um, income generating tasks in the time period where you're at your most active. The brain f- um, frying tasks, because if you leave the difficult brain frying tasks to when you're at your most tired, then you're really going to struggle with those tasks. When you're tired, you should be doing the admin type tasks. And when you're really alert and really awake, you're doing the other jobs. So ringing agents, speaking to landlords, that needs to be done not when you're tired. That needs to be done when you've got some energy so you can portray that energy across. Um, So that's my thoughts on the 5am club. I'm not a believer in 5am. I'm a believer in what you get done while you're awake. So you've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. This is this week's episode of Property News from around the UK and within the Progressive Property community. I hope you found it valuable. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You hit that like button and we're out 
every single week. Make sure you don't miss the episodes by subscribing. Also, the Progressive Property YouTube channel. So make sure you've subscribed to the YouTube channel. We're giving content every single week in there. I've done lots of videos sharing some of my property deals. Go over to YouTube and have a watch. There's some really great content there as well from myself and the other Progressive Property trainers. As well as that, there's the Progressive Property um, Facebook community, as I mentioned. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast over in the community. Join the community over 36,000 people. So go to Facebook, type in Progressive Property Community, click that join button, and I'll see you on the other side. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been amazing. See you next time.